I know. I'm not sure if he really believes, you know, what he's doing or if he's doing it for clout, but either way, it's it's horrible. <laughs> She's perfect in every way, but every word she says, she sounds like Cardi B. <laughs> With all of the sounds that she makes. Skitty <laughs> up! So basically, like, she's from the Bronx. <laughs> she's from the Bronx, but like the ghetto Bronx. Uh, I think that you'd be the hot receptionist. Aww. Yeah. So, like, if Michaela, like I said, when she becomes, like, a rich doctor, <laughs> you can work as her receptionist. And that'll be, like, a power play fantasy for you guys. Dude, that's a great idea, actually. If she, like, she has her own business, her own, like, um, all right, socks on or socks off at night. Socks off. You're a fucking weirdo if you wear socks, but I'm just saying that. <laughs> uh, who do you text the most? Besides Collier. Uh, we don't um, text too much, actually. Wait, really? No, we actually don't. We don't. Um, you only communicate through passive-aggressive TikToks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, I'm Collier. And I'm Elijah. And this is the Hopefully Wandering Podcast. You nailed it, um, your. Fir- <laughs> this is the third time. Third time is the charm. If you are new here, if this is your first time listening, uh, thank you so much. We love you being here. So we talk about a lot of stuff related to church, uh, especially life after church. We both grew up in the non-denominational megachurch um, and since have left um, really deconverted and love exploring all sides of spirituality and especially we love hearing stories from um our friends our followers and people we reconnect with uh like a special guest today yes um, we Elijah. are we are so excited to welcome a special guest back from the time when we were part of one of the largest mega churches in the united states the largest mega church in the state of kentucky also, the place that has dropped us like a hot potato, even though we still see people every time we go to Walmart, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I go to Goodwill and I see SE Kids shirts in the bargain bin. I'm just saying. Anyways, <laughs> welcome. Heidi Arndt. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Heidi, how are you? It's so good to have you, Heidi. I'm good. I definitely laugh at the fact that they're in a bargain bin though because that just feels symbolic to me so many (laughs) se kids like volunteer shirts i've seen at the goodwill off of hearstborn oh i'm sure you got the orange ones that makes it funnier since it's on hearstborn yeah Uh uh-huh yeah yep (laughs) just makes it funnier (laughs) yes literally Um, well our podcast has just been uh a lot about Ever since we have like, you know, we grew up in evangelicalism and I know you have a little bit of a different experience from that, but you know, up until like a year, year and a half ago, it was really hard to find any other way of life. And so like the hopefully wandering name, uh, kind of come out of, you know, you're dangling on the rope and you think there's nothing below you and you let go. And it's like, Oh, there's all this space that we get to wander and we get to visit and we get to. Um, experiment with new ideas, new philosophies, new ways of just seeing life. And so, you know, we are trying to invite a more diverse pool of guests who either have had like similar experiences and have ended up in different places because it's crazy how many people have grown up like maybe specifically at Southeast, but, you know, even in the broader context of like how many people have grown up in like the evangelical church and ended up all over the place. And we decided to bring you on. 
Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I don't even technically understand the phrase evangelical church. Like, I grew up in a rural, tiny, tiny town in Nevada. So, like, I grew up in the church, but it was like a tiny 150-person Baptist church, you know? So, like, I'm so me, sorry. I never heard... Yeah, I never heard the phrase like evangelical church. It was just we're going to church. Like that's what it was. But the town I grew up in was also like majority wise Mormon. So like if you weren't Mormon, you were the minority. Like it was a whole thing. And I thought it was bullshit from the get go. So it just kind of was awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you've had the other experience of being evangelized too, I'm sure. As an adult. Um, yeah. 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 Definitely. Which is almost more pathetic to me. Like when you're a kid, you're indoctrinated into it. Like it's it's your lifestyle. When you're an adult, <laughs> you're like, I let go of some morals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change no. My but- thought process for some things. <laughs> well, sure, but I'll say that's even more impressive uh, as well because you you've had multiple experiences of coming into something and then also going out of that thing that you came into later in life. Like, like that's a very impressive to have those shifts, you know, like I feel like it's one thing to be indoctrinated and then leave the place you were indoctrinated into, but to, uh, pathetic where it's like, no, like I had a whole uh set of not for me. (laughs) And then just for the sake of a relationship changed those it's not for me, but I'll make it for me, you know, because it matters to you. And then, like, yeah. dove headfirst into it fully, like, was a worship leader at the church for the last, like, six, seven years. And then leave that relationship and you're in that, oh, yeah, I still think it's a load of crap. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost more pathetic to me. Like, Damn. That I yeah. dropped my own ideals for, for that. So <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, what's like a a 60 second blurb like about who you are, but you almost covered it. But do you want to, do you want to share anything else before we start into, we have a little intro game we do first. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's kind of the blurb on like my religious upbringing. Like I, I went to a Christian school for first and second grade, like a private Christian school. And you know, it was just kind of whatever, but I remember being in, in second grade in this moment where the teacher it's like, okay, today, class, we're going to all come together and accept Jesus as our Savior. And oh. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, first wow. of all. Secondly, I think I'm being graded. So that's not how that works. And so from that moment on, I was like, oh, this is a load of crap. Okay. And so it just yeah. didn't matter to me after that. I was like, this is just a load of crap. And my mom kind of had this mentality, like, if we didn't go to church on Sundays, we got grounded. So it was like, you're going to church or else kind of thing. And so that to me was like, okay, it's a load of crap, you know? So I just kind of was floating through the universe at the time. Like I, I went cause I had to family wise, but didn't give two creds about it. And then ended up being, you're going to find this so funny, Elijah. I was in an indie folk band. <laughs> I know you were because I, I looked know, it up one time. It was not a good indie folk band. Like we had moments, but we were not good. I, I looked it up Indian- after you told me that, that one Sunday we played together and I saved a song. You looked it up? Yeah, I found a song. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Because we were on the SoundCloud and those did not sound good. I did not mm. sound. It was not good. Point blank period. It was not good. But like, yeah. <laughs> we had moments. Not good enough live, to like show a little excerpt, show a little Our blurb here. Our recordings were not good. <laughs> 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 recordings were not good. 
but loved the people, which is how I ended up meeting my now ex-husband because he was in like an indie rock band and we opened for him. And maybe, from there on, maybe that's what I listened to. You might listen to him because he's his band is on Spotify. All my in stuff was like mid. behind and buried in SoundCloud. That's okay. Buried, so buried. But um, no, so that's kind of how I ended up being thrust into it. Was I was actually going to like Buddhist temple at the time. Fucking because rad. I, because nice. I I was just kind of like curious of like these seem like inter- like I was more just like I want to know what it's about. So I would go to Buddhist temple. I would I wouldn't say I was like a heavily back practicing Buddhist, but I enjoyed it. Um, and I I met my now ex husband and. It became a, he went to church and I was not about that, but was, I went with him every Sunday to be supportive. Cause I'm like, if you care about this, I'll care about it for you. Like I'll support you, whatever, but was not about it. And that was not reciprocated. Like I asked him to come to temple with me a couple of times that never happened. And it turned into, I didn't go to temple for two years. Like, cause I was at church every Sunday and, uh, it just kind of evolved from there. At that point we were already married. We got married after 10 months of dating because AO, I got pregnant and um, we got married and it just kind of evolved from there. And I didn't end up being baptized into the Christian church until I was 20. My daughter was about to turn one. So I think I was 20. So at that point it'd been like two years of this constant come to church with me. So that was kind of my evolution into, Mm. into the church. You were fully in there at that point. At that, yeah, I was just sucked in like a vacuum. It was, yeah. <laughs> We're setting up for like a home run, like after the game, though. Yeah, you know, I am so so excited um, <laughs> for the rest of the story, but it will have to wait. Yeah. It has uh, to because we have why to is that, Elijah? Why because does the story have to wait? We have a youth group game that everyone loves, and it's the best part They're about so the podcast. Bad, though. They're so bad though. <laughs> This isn't one of the gross ones, you know. It's not the. They're all not, gross, Collier. Okay, yeah. you're gonna put <laughs> peanut butter on your well, toes. This, this is this isn't like the bodily <laughs> fluids type of one, you know. <laughs> not the uh, not the like how fast can you do this before you puke type of games. This is uh, right, intellectually gross. Oh, just start it. <laughs> Have you played the hot seat? No. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> it's basically we're gonna ask you a bunch of basically like first date awkward questions. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Just quick rapid fire questions and rapid fire answers. Don't think too hard. This is the worst game for me. I'm so blunt. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Yes. Let's go. Um, um, What is your favorite movie genre? Black and white movies, like old, old black and white movies. That's classy. Hmm. Just what I grew Um, up with. Dad's very weird. What is uh if a ghost just appeared in front of you right now, what what would you do? I'd be so excited. I'd be yeah. so excited. I'd be so excited. <laughs> You're talking to a pagan, I'd be so excited. No. <laughs> Spoilers. No, that's so exciting Stop. for real. <laughs> if there were twenty-five hours in a day, what would you do with that extra hour? That's an extra glass of wine. That that's what that is. Or sleeping. That's it. That's right. That's it. If you could be any animal, what? Which one? A fruit bat. Ah! 
Love it. <laughs> like the just the gut reflex. I that love no, no thoughts. That was amazing. I love that. <laughs> I'd be a fruit bat. Hands down. What of the past birthday parties in your life has been your favorite? Okay, actually, my ex-husband did a very nice thing. I hate celebrating my birthday. I hate it. And um, but I like old silent movies, so he rented a big blow-up like inflatable TV and a projector and played like one of my favorite movies on it for my 25th birthday. And that That's was cute. Nice. That was a good great. idea. Yeah, I'm it was super steal great. That. I'm pretty sure he borrowed the 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 whole blow up thing from Southeast. I think Southeast owns one of those, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> maybe maybe a few, <laughs> a few of them. Yeah, because we did it a different year because I was obsessed with. I'm currently obsessed with Hamilton, and I did a Hamilton watching mm. birthday. So we did it on a big blow up screen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's from Southeast. <laughs> um, what? What sport um, would be infinitely better if all the players were like just really high? All the sports. Every last. Every last. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess. So. Which one would you like most want to see the players be high um, playing the sport really, professionally? Really love to watch ping pong. Just. <laughs> I would just imagine that would go so poorly. <laughs> just hours of trying to chase a ball. They're <laughs> never going to hit it. Their reflexes no. are so slow, and that ball goes where it wants to go. So I vote ping pong for sure. Are, are you, we going to introduce uh, our background character to the podcast? Oh, my background character is my boyfriend, Timothy. Hi, whose Timothy. dog Timothy. is walking around. Timothy's so the noise here is very loaf of bread corgi and right. this loud human hello i'm the loud human <laughs> do you want to be on next week's episode good your lack of church life and my lack of church life <laughs> i actually went to church for uh my kids and stuff i'm sorry no it was actually <laughs> never Jesus been to Elijah. a mega church so you don't need to you, you don't you don't you really don't do yeah that's actually my retirement plan. It's funny that you guys... <laughs> I'm going to get religious and I'm going to get... Honestly, all of us could be making a lot more money religion. if we did that. Yeah. And uh, see, it's I sell cars. Plan. It's a life <laughs> plan to get religious. My next tier is uh, religion. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here, go here. It's because he's a salesman. That's basically what mega churches are. It's just really good sales. Oh yeah. As oh, yeah. No, that's it. That's where I'm going though. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, uh, a lot of money. Is what you're ordained. To. <laughs> yes, I am I've an got... ordained minister though. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> to marry people, he's ordained on the internet. Let's we, not. Oh we yeah, we are all ordained ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but you went to seminary, so it's pathetic. Like it's not. I've got like five weddings under my belt. That's pretty good. Yeah. Better than all of us. No, I got three marriages under my belt. (laughs) Marrying people or getting married? And then five marrying other people. That was a dig. No, that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's the background noise that you hear. Okay. (laughs) Good. That human and his dog. (laughs) 
Are these all the rapid fires? Are we okay? Uh, no, no, no we're, oh, no, we're like halfway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, well, we're halfway. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Elijah, your turn. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> if you could see any act, band, or artist in concert right now, who would it be and why? And my Chemical Romance. Alive or dead? Mm. No, sorry. Uh, be so good. <laughs> Your episode's no, next I week, goddammit. <laughs> I am just old school emo at heart. Um, that or yes. he doesn't like this band, but Falling in Reverse. I would die to watch Falling in Reverse live. Like, I would die. Also, it sounds like a big old Christian band. It does <laughs> He thinks Falling in Reverse sounds like a Christian band, screamo emoing, and I disagree fully. Some some Christian the, the the Christian punk rock was actually super solid. Skillet was cool. Okay, Nobody I listened to I, I I went and made a playlist Christian's like good. Christian uh, days ago. Okay. Th- th- there were some good Nobody ones. Cool has ever said. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what is a word that you just hate? Moist. Mm, yeah, I can't do it. I'm fine if we talk about it like in the sense of like baking because that's the appropriate word. Or like moisture. I'm totally fine with the word moisture. But the mm. word moist in any other context just makes me think of mold. So it's not it's not great. Anytime somebody uses that, I just think of mold in every context. It's not great. Don't like it. My least favorite word is coitus. Anyways, what's your most useless you. skill? My most useless? Yes, useless. I'm really good at accents. I will not do one for you, but I'm oh, really good. You're not going to do one? You can't just say that and not do you one. Come know. on. They're embarrassing, but I'm very good at them. Particularly <laughs> dairy Irish accents. Are you okay. are you and Timothy like a uh, like like a like an accent couple that you like speak in a certain accent to each other like a I British accent? I mean, he says stuff or... in a weird fucking voice, but I wouldn't. Say. Are they <laughs> accents? I don't know. Your words cut like daggers. <laughs> okay, well, apparently they're accents, and I just think he sounds dumb. But no, no, I don't even do them around him. They're just stupid things I have conversations with myself in a mirror about, so it's fine. Mm. Um, if you shut up. <laughs> If you had to, if you were forced <laughs> to uh, to be like the singer or a singer in any of the popular Christian worship bands, you know, Hillsong, Bethel, uh, Elevation, all them, which one would you choose? If I had to what? If you had to be like the lead singer at oh. on, in any of the Christian worship bands, which one would you choose? Oh, crap. I Honestly, it would be Maverick City. I am on fire Solid. for Maverick City. Even after leaving the church, I'm like, I am bitter that I like this so much because I don't feel it's appropriate to keep listening to it. But like, <laughs> I love it. Jara, <laughs> you oh, are no. Like, no, best answer Maverick for sure. It's so good. Like every time I was on worship, I was like, these are the songs I want to sing. Like, I just, I gotta, yeah. Yeah. And to my knowledge, they're not connected to like, an awful, horribly Elevation, which is a whole oh, are they? Which, thing. But which is better than Bethel and Hillsong as far no, as abuse goes. I no, better than no. Elevation. I've met so many people that came out of Elevation, and it's just a conveyor belt of interns. Like they turn people over yeah. 
like Amazon. Like it's, it's well, but, but Bethel's Christian nationalist, I think is where it's like the cause. <laughs> I think I don't scale. know enough, like not growing up in like church culture. Like people will say, I didn't know who Bethel was for Like, I didn't know there were yeah. mega churches. Like, when I was, when I moved to Reno, Nevada, after like graduating high school, being in like 150 person Baptist church, like when I went to my ex-husband's first church, it was like 3000 people. And I was like, this is a church. Like I was shocked. I didn't know churches could be that big or that they had cafes in them. That was new, like (laughs) nothing. So then when we got to Southeast, Mm -hmm. I was a lot more prepared at least, but because at that point I'd learned what like Bethel and Elevation and Hillsong were. But before that, I was completely clueless. I was just like, we listened to like Stephen Curtis Chapman. I don't know. We're Francesca Battistelli people. I don't know what (laughs) any of this is. Like, so even Mm -hmm. now, like people will like name drop stuff and I'm like, not a clue. Not a clue. Yeah. I don't know what it's talking about. Like Dive by Stephen Curtis, Ch- Stephen Curtis Chapman still slaps. A lot of his songs do. <laughs> it does you know? not slap. It's not a slap <laughs> song, Collier. Like it's not. It's yeah, just a I mean, song that happens to be sung by Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> You're right. It, it's just because it was like one of the first songs I ever loved. You know, in my in my life, <laughs> it came out like a year or two after that was I was me born. I think. Castelli. I can't yeah. even say anything. <laughs> Like it's your life. What you gonna do? I was vibing. (laughs) I was vibing to that song so hard, Mm -hmm. so hard. So I get it. All right, I got two more. Is that good with you, Collier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You didn't ask me. I didn't. No, I did not ask you. (laughs) I thought you were about to ask me, but it's too early. This is not up to you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I'm here for the ride. It's fine. What has been one of your most like cringe? Christian sermons or Christian experiences that you've got to have through like probably being at Southeast. I'm curious, like if there's something that would just like, was just so corny that you hated. Oh, corny. Cause I was going to say, there's a lot of cringe moments that were not corny. Um, I haven't had a corny one. I don't know. Okay. Um, you can do, you can do a normal cringe one. If you can't I was find, like, like most of them were just one. really cringe. Like, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I think the most the one that immediately pops to mind wasn't at Southeast. It was at my previous church in Reno, T- Grace Church. If case T- anybody was ever wondering, because um, it's the largest church in Reno. But um, no, when I got married, we had to do like premarital counseling, as you do in, in Christian relationships, mm-hmm. as you uh-huh. do, as you do. But I was yes. already pregnant while we were doing premarital counseling, and the church made it very clear and outright said to me, the only reason that we're letting you get married is because you're already pregnant, because you're not saved, and you're not a Christian, so we would not approve of this marriage. And me, being the speech and debater that I have always been from high school, immediately shat on them and was like that's not even biblical and like pulled out all the biblical bullshit of like you're allowed to marry non-christian people the bible actually encourages it and tells you to like sit there and you know basically try to convert your spouse but like you're totally allowed (laughs) to do that so fuck off essentially but that was a whole conversation of we're allowing you to get married only because you're already pregnant And I was like, yeah, but you're not having this conversation with the person who grew up in the preschool that you run who got me pregnant. So let's talk about that. I don't know. Like, so that was cringy as hell. I didn't like that very much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Heidi, would you rather know when you are going to die or how you are going to die? Neither, honestly. <laughs> I have too much anxiety. I don't know what I don't want to know when because then I feel like I have to like make the most of it in a designated time frame. And if I know how, I'm just gonna panic. Because if it's a bad mm-hmm. way, but you don't know when, you're just like freaking out the whole time. So I would just rather be sucked into the void unknowingly. I don't, I don't want to know. And because I don't, I'm not like scared of death, but I think if somebody like told me when and how I'd freak the fuck out. So. Oh yeah. Death is whatever (laughs) to me, but the knowing of death is not whatever to me. Honey, I have one of the most important questions ever to be asked on this podcast for you. What's my favorite color? Close. It's very close, actually. Very close. Okay. What is your favorite flavor? Of what? Not that the is question. the question. <laughs> what is your favorite that's flavor? Too, that's too much pressure. I don't. What's my favorite <laughs> flavor of all things? Oh, God. Um. <laughs> Cruel, Elijah. Just so you know, like that's that's not a nice question. It was asking coffee you and through. anything. Co- no coffee, anything <laughs> coffee flavored. I'm about it. So it's it's coffee. Yeah, flavored. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking of flavors right now, and like, th- there's a lot of stuff. Like, I can't, I can't imagine coffee flavored pizza. But honestly, I would try it. I would try Definitely. it though. I yeah, know. I, I love all it. coffee flavored things. Let's make espresso flavored ricotta. You've had like a dessert, like a dessert pizza, you know. But tiramisu is a dessert pizza. Let's be honest. (laughs) I don't know about that. Okay, pause. It has a cheese base. No, we're gonna do this. I like debate. We're gonna do this. It has a cheese base filling, cream base. Okay, it's got a cake flavor in there. It's coffee soaked, cream powder how's that any different from bread sauce cheese topping all right because you don't have the sauce it does cream and the sauce is the coffee soaked into it so it's (laughs) okay i'm going again i don't care okay i'm i've got a follow-up are you are you someone that also like says that uh that cereal soup do you debate over that is a hot dog a sandwich (laughs) no well, hot dogs are hoagie. hoagie and sandwich are not the same. Is the a hot is dog a sandwich? It's a hoagie. It's a hoagie. What's a ho- is a hoagie a sandwich? It falls under the blanket terminology of a sandwich, yeah. but it sounds like a hot dog's a sandwich. But it's basically underneath like bread is gluten. Like it's not. <laughs> it's not I don't think we're going to agree on this, so it's best to move on. Probably because you're wrong. So just accept that. <laughs> Acceptance is the first step. Okay. Or denial might be the first step for you, but it's the first step. <laughs> sorry. I'm done. It's I'm okay done. I'm sorry. Wrong, it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Heidi, how would you say that others describe you in three words? Abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just true abrasive eh, flaky 
and probably annoying, honestly. Just factually. Brace of flaky and annoying. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't say they're right. I'm just saying that's how they would describe me. So you think the majority of people would would go like to your like more negative traits then? Yeah, because I think that like I tend to be anxious and those just come out a little bit more frequently. Um, abrasive, not, I think it's just, I'm either in social situations. I'm either like F off. I have no interest in you, which comes across abrasive or I'm feeling myself and really confident, which makes people F off anyway. Yeah. And, or I'm just really opinionated and that is abrasive in and of itself. So like on that sense, it could be really any situation. Abrasive is just kind of how I tend to come across flaky i feel like is a matter of opinion and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but i've been called that many times by some people but i don't agree with it and uh annoying i think is just a matter of opinion but i accept said opinion because i'm not worried about pleasing everybody so what would your boyfriend describe you in three words then we can ask him come on Abe, how would you describe me? It's going to be abrasive, flaky. And- All those three. <laughs> it's going to be the same one. <laughs> and how you describe him is tolerant, if that's how we're going to. He's just tolerant. <laughs> one word. That's what it is. Tolerant. Lactose. <laughs> Lactose tolerant? Intolerant. One intolerant. of the special. Actually, I'm, I'm lactose tolerant because... I like lactose. Yeah. I'm willing to deal the- with it. So like <laughs> you're even willing, though I'm, you're willing to deal with it? Even though I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah. I'm no, you no, are lactose I, I get intolerant. It. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that, that's how I would describe myself tolerant. too. Yeah. Like I, I will tolerate being bloated for like a day or two, you know, because yeah. I just I love dairy too much. Yeah. You know, it's farts in the name of love is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's farts in the name of love. Lord oh. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you just want—I want some cheese. That's what it is. <laughs> I will not put almond milk in my coffee. It changes how it tastes. So if I'm going to be gassy, so be it. Like that's mm. what it is. You got to have the coffee. Well, the stairs back on track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this evening. So far off track. <laughs> uh, Heidi, when you like, you kind of like set up your story a little bit in the first part of the podcast. You know what? I'm not even going to say story because honestly, triggering. It's a shit show. It's not even a story. It's just a shit show. No, I just mean like, it sounds Mm. like something that the the Christian who's about to like shit on you at Panera says, so let me just hear your story. Like where to begin really? Um, Yeah. My favorite bit of it. I mean, you kind of got the precursor to, okay, so I got baptized into the church. That happened. Was that at Southeast? No, it was at Grace Church in Reno. Um, But you were already married, already had I was already married. We'd been married for probably like a year by the time I got baptized. Um, Because I'd already had my baby. She was almost a year old. Like I got baptized in January of that year. And she turned one. So, yeah. As you like accepted Christ and got baptized, like, how did you feel about like the admit, believe, confess, all the things that they were telling you? Were you, did you feel like you were getting baptized for your spouse at the time? Or like, did you actually rationalize and believe the things that they told you? It was a huge mix, honestly. Like, I think in the moment of like, 
I feel called to be baptized. It felt very much like a me thing. Um, but immediately after that day, being in a worship service where I was just like moved by the music kind of moment, I was just very much. And, and I say that knowing it was for my spouse, because I think probably about twice a week, maybe once a week, but it was a weekly basis. He would go, have you accepted Christ yet? For like, for like two years. And I would go, no. And he goes, okay, I'm never going to stop asking. And I went, okay. And it came across really like lovingly, like in a, it was, he's a very interesting character in the sense that like, he's super charismatic, very charming, very loving person. I think he has very redeeming qualities. So this just fell under that blanket for me. But um, yeah, it was very much a, every single ish week, like, have you accepted Christ as your savior? And I was like, no. And he goes, okay, I'm never going to stop asking. And it came across in a loving way because it was like, he was so concerned with, I want to be with you in heaven that I'm always going to ask you because that matters mm -hmm. to me. And that came across really loving. So I never got like super weird about it. Sorry, <laughs> Corgi in the background. Um, so it was always like very loving, but in retrospect, real weird, <laughs> in retrospect, real weird. But um, at the time thought it was super adorable. Um, so eventually like got saved, but it, in, in the moment of like, I'm ready to be baptized. It felt like me thing. I think it was very heavily influenced by just, I'm doing this because it matters so much to my spouse. Like, because I know me, I had always thought it was a load of hoo-ha. So yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this interview. If I'm watching the KD in the background, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Oh, gee. Well, I'm trying to keep, trying to keep my thing no, plugged no. in. I'm sitting on the floor. I'll shift. I'll shift. I'll prop it up on a vacuum. Here we go. I'm propping it on the counter vacuum. Damn, Elijah making her move. I didn't oh, say Forcing he should turn move. it off. I didn't say that. I just I, I'm trying to make it easily. You're good. No, I didn't. I wasn't telling you, you to did. turn it off. <laughs> You're good. Keep going. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I forgot where we left off now. Um, basically, I guess what we wanted to kind of launch a little bit more into your story and specifically your, your experiences um, with the church. But, I mean, if you want to start any earlier, too, like I know you mentioned you were going to a temple at the time you – uh, first got into the Christian church. So wherever seems good to start, if you just want to go a little deeper into your story there and uh, tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll eventually get to your departure and everything that happened there. I mean, honestly, the transition from temple to church was not really that deep. I mean, it, it just, it happened. Um, it was a very annoying to me that it wasn't like reciprocated in the sense of, you know, I attended church to be supportive and that wasn't reciprocated kind of thing. But it was just kind of it progressed that way and that's where it went and i you know it wasn't super deep in that sense because i wasn't like a practicing this is to my core buddhist it was just i was super interested in it and i thought the philosophies yeah. were really interesting so i tended to kind of see what it was about um, but i'd been going there for like six seven months so it was just kind of like an abrupt stop which was irritating but it wasn't like a really deep kind of situation i think that the dive into church life and my 
just immense commitment to that was kind of like a deep shift for me. Um, it was kind of a shocking shift. Like it was kind of a shocking shift. Like I, I can't even articulate it really it to like have been my whole life of not really believing any of that. So then I'm so hardcore committed to being in the church and being a part of every aspect of the church, because even at that point, my spouse was a employee at the church. So I was like, it wasn't just that I attended church. It was, I was behind the scenes all the time with the creative director and the worship leader and the sound director and the pastor. And like, I knew everybody. And so it was like expected of me to like be a volunteer and be involved and do, do the do, you know? And I dove into that, but it was like very different for me because I, I never needed to or desired to do any of that. And, um, I did it anyway, but even that took years to actually be accepted onto the worship team because I was very vocal about my opinions and my politics. And that was not sidling up with church value apparently, but no one told me that. So like I had auditioned for the worship team and then it was a year before they told me you can't be on the worship team until dot, dot, dot. And his, my ex-husband's boss met me for coffee one day after work and was like, you posted something on this will never not be funny to me. You posted something on Facebook that had a marijuana leaf on it. And it was, me. <laughs> it was, but like, I remember exactly what she was talking about. Cause I really didn't involve myself with that stuff. And it was me posting something about like, Oh, they've created like a new CBD oil lotion for like menstrual cramping. So you rub it on your stomach and it helps with menstrual cramping. There's no mm -hmm. high in that, like nothing. But I had posted, like, I just shared the link. And it, but the link picture on Facebook was a marijuana leaf. And she was like, well, what if youth kids like came and like went on your page and did all this stuff and saw that and you're just encouraging marijuana usage. And I was like, that's not what the article is about them. She goes, they don't care about the article. They just see the picture. And I was like, well, then they can have a conversation with their parents. I don't really know what that has to do with me. Why are youth from the church following me on Facebook? Let's talk about that. That's weird. Like, mm -hmm. you know, but so like they didn't let me on the worship team for a year over that single post, but no one said anything to me about it for a year. They just didn't wow. let me on. And like straight up said, like, you can't be on the worship team until you start presenting yourself publicly as somebody that is representative and deserves to be on the stage at this church. And so I literally just like extricated myself from social media for three months. And they were like, you're good to go. And I was like, okay. And then I was a staple worship leader at that church, like three weekends a month. At least. You led songs. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I expected like that it was going to be some very divisive political statements or something that, no, that they didn't like be because they don't like being divisive. It was a marijuana. <laughs> yeah, a marijuana leaf on a CBD article that's not even yeah. related to it. It was something so stupid, but uh, that's so stupid. Yeah, and yeah. like, and it's almost more funny to me because his boss's name was Karen. So it just makes it, it just makes it more funny because she was the epitome mm. of like the social idea of a Karen, like but on steroids. Like she was a lot. Um, she was so much. But um, 
it just made it funnier having left. But uh, at the time, it was not so funny. <laughs> um, I think about yes. like <laughs> even like people who have grown up in church coming to a mega church and i'm just saying like southeast environment just because like that's what we're all familiar with but like really this applies to any you know any place with a separated building with offices for real though like coming to that environment is weird even for christians because so much of what they do has nothing to fucking do with like paul talking about the church in the bible or jesus (laughs) it's just a fucking social club slash office yeah like a business concert (laughs) business okay and you Mm -hmm. mentioned a lot about like through your um through your husband's time like being on staff um having to be part of the and i i'm fully aware of it having also been part of the family and all that um yeah the worship wives yeah that that whole thing yeah. sounds like a nightmare. I didn't enjoy it at all. Like it was like being a third wheel for your entire existence. Like you were friends with his friends. Like they were his coworkers, his staff, his everybody that surrounds him, you know, and it was just like I am a consolation prize on the outside and everybody talks to me and likes mm. me because I'm here, but then when we got divorced, I haven't spoken to any of those people in almost nine months. So it's like, I very much was like a third wheel. It was not like people developed genuine relationships with me. So like having to be in the church and do like all of these, I'm here and I've shown up and I'm a part of this community to then not have it matter in the long run at all, because like you as a person don't matter. Your involvement in the community matters, but you as a person and me caring about you as a person makes no difference like whatsoever in my life. Like that was very uncomfortable for me. And it was, it was was just always Mm. uncomfortable. I felt like a constant third wheel. Yeah. It seems like they, they cared about the position you were in more than the person you are. Like it could have been any person in that staff members spouse position Mm -hmm. and they would have, yeah, it's like that. That's how they saw you. And I think it bothered me more specifically at Southeast. Like I had a, besides his boss and like everyone had an issue with his boss, like at that church, I can off the top of my head name 17 people who quit from that church because of this one woman. Um, you know, like it was, it was an issue anyway. Um, but the, like when I got to Southeast, it was even more uncomfortable because I saw so much nepotism in Southeast. Like it was hilarious almost that like people who would be on worship where I was like, vocally, you should not be leading like on just a basic level, you should not be leading, but you did because you were an elder's daughter or the worship leader's daughter or the worship leader's wife or like, it was like so much nepotism within that system. And I think it's like musicians have egos. We just know it on a musical level. I was like, you should Mm -hmm. not. You should not. Your range does not do that. Like, let's not. But so it irritated me on that level because then I go, I'm the spouse of a staff member. And somehow that stupid trickle down has no effect on my ability to serve worship. And it became like a huge issue because I was constantly put on backing vocal. And that was irritating to me because I was like, I was a worship leader, staple leader at my previous church. 
And that should carry some weight considering my husband is a primary staff member on your video team, like who works excessively with the lead pastor and all of the lead worship leaders like that should carry weight. And it didn't. And for four years, I never led lead at Southeast ever, not at my actual campus. I think I led twice at LaGrange because they told me that the only way to get on lead was to serve as a lead at the satellite campuses. So I reached out to all of the worship mm-hmm. leaders at the satellite campuses and only one person from LaGrange reached out to me. I was like, yeah, come out and sing here. And I said, cool. And I did that and still nothing happened at my actual main Blankenbaker campus, which is where I served. Mm-hmm. And a part of it just became so toxic because I regularly was like, what do I need to do? Is there like some sort of hierarchy? Is there some sort of seniority? How you do this? And it was never... They were just like, no, no, no. Like, we'll just put you on lead when we think you're ready. And I said, so it's not like God propelling my plan. It's you <laughs> and your decision. Just say yeah. that. Like, and then it became yeah. awkward because I had an illness. I still do, but I had an illness for a really long time um, that was a lot worse in the past where I walked with a cane for like three years. And, I remember that. Or, you remember this? Yeah. So I had a cane or a walker. 90% of the time. Uh, and I stopped being put on the worship schedule. And I finally reached out to the person who scheduled the worship schedule, who I was friends with. And, and I went over to him and I was like, Hey, what's up? And he straight up without any hesitation said, you know, your look and everything that's going on with the cane, it really just Blankenbaker is live streamed, like that's live streamed all over the world. That <laughs> is not the image we are trying to put out. And I went, so you're not being inclusive is what you're saying. Like, just say that. Yeah. I was like, like, this was like two and a half, three years into like me being with the cane. I was obviously having like mm-hmm. physical and emotional issues with the fact that I'm like, I'm a 27 year old woman with a cane. Like this is not, I was an emotional hot mess about it. So it did not go over well. And I was like sitting in his office crying and he's just telling me like this, I'm not going to schedule you until you don't need the cane because we don't want you up there. Cause I had to go up there once with my walker. I had to sit on my walker cause I was just having a really bad day. And ever. And after that, they didn't schedule me for like months and months and months. And I was like, I'm available. Like I'm good to go. And they were like, no, no. Cause you have a cane. And at I mean, that point, I was like, fuck this church. I'm done. Like, you I was, don't know was, how much is, like, like, the fucking patriarchy, just them sitting in a room together, like, having a beer, chilling. Beer. My husband was sitting in there listening to it, and he said nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Just listened to it, and I was just like, that made me mad, because I was like, this is your coworker. Mm. Like, this was this other staff member. I was like, how the fuck are you just sitting there? But... I just like had to sit there and like advocate for myself, which is fine. I will do so. But I was like, that's just fucked up. I literally said that in his office. I was like, it's just fucked up. And I walked out like, yeah, I was like, if that doesn't tell you how incredibly and primarily image focused the whole ministry there is like, I don't know what would like, that's that that's what they're about. And like that, that's what they find important is, um, is the image you know, like, I mean, they want people to look excited on stage, you know, like, because you're not worshiping if you're not jumping. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how that equates to it. No, but like, 
that is crazy to me. And the thing that always keeps coming back to my mind is like, I know specifically uh, like Southeast, they were pushing for um, racial diversity. They wanted more people than just white people up there. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. (laughs) However, that is the only type of diversity that they actually want. Right? Except that's not true, Elijah. They have Shine Ministry, which apparently is the blanket of Southeast inclusivity. Oh, that's oh, so true. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, they they wouldn't let any of um, any of them serve, but they would serve them. No, but they had those little pocket <laughs> moments where they went here. Let us bring the Shine Ministry people up on the stage, flaunt yeah. them around like a parade. And make them feel really loved and then put them in the cafe so they interact with everyone. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I Like, I yeah. love it. I love it. But at the same time, like being somebody that literally works with autism and has worked with Down syndrome in the past, I'm like, do you know how overwhelming that is to be like presented with strangers mm-hmm. in your face constantly? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, for anyone. I mean, who I doesn't I love know. that you're providing jobs for people, but like I would, and I don't know the whole process of how they did who worked in the cafe and who didn't. But I'm like, I really hope you allowed it to be people who were like comfortable with that because and did well with that mm-hmm. because to just like throw people into that situation willy nilly would be super screwed up. Like and just like not inclusive. It's not kind. Like that can be a lot for people. So. For sure. I had I had very mixed totally. feelings about Shine Ministry working in the cafe unless it was like specific people from Shine Ministry. Absolutely. I could see. But just in general, having it be Shine Ministry runs the cafe. I was like. OK, <laughs> but I did know the person who like largely was like the director of Shine and he was a very wonderful person. I genuinely enjoyed him and he was super knowledgeable. So like I. I would I would think that he had some wherewithal in, in that sense, but it was always something that kind of like made me cringe a little just on a pick people that are comfortable with that, at least like at the very least. So. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I hated the whole like shine days where they just paraded them up on the stage. and We're like, we're here and they seem to love it. And I was happy for them, but it was just <laughs> uh, this is so awkward for like, yeah, it's so awkward. Like, Make them a regular yeah. part of stuff if you want it to be an inclusive church. Like they should be a regular part of things, not a fan dance that you do every once in a while. Like it's just awkward. Like I didn't like that. I um, I've been thinking about. Were you? Have you ever been familiar with like the prosperity gospel? Mm, possibly. I don't know if what I know is. It's okay. All it that, but. It's like, you know, if you follow Jesus, everything will be okay. Oh, that's and, a load of crap. Okay, well, for sure. But <laughs> the thing with, like, the Blankenbanker campus and the live stream and stuff is that yeah. they want to present that way. And what I'm here, like, and I don't think that anyone would ever say that out loud. But See, the fact I always that kind they, of got the impression that they were just, like, really trying to copy Elevation. I mean, yeah, but that's the same oh, thing Elevation so wants to put on, yeah. too. Yeah, but Elevation does put that on successfully. Like, anybody with half a brain cell knows that it's not. But, like, they successfully do that. And, you know, and then Furtick lives in a million-dollar mansion, so it's kind of questionable. But, like, that's a corporation above a church in my head. But, like, it's... 
you know, they at least successfully do it. Southeast felt like it was riding on the, on the skirts of that because they hired people who came from elevation. So it was just like, like, yeah, get us there. I'm like, well, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying they did it successfully, but like their, their choices and who they would let on and off, like would reflect that. Um, I don't know. Were you ever privy to like the email that the one guy sent cutting the worship team in half when they started live streaming? Oh, okay. So, um, guy who we've been talking about music director, um, there was a list of people who were deemed worthy of being on the live stream (laughs) and a list of people who were deemed worthy of not being on the live stream and two different emails were sent out. One was saying to the people who were worthy, hey, we're hoping that you uh, were okay with serving more because we're going to (laughs) start scheduling you more. And then the other one said, we prayerfully ask you to consider serving at one of our satellite campuses. Wow. Oh, my God. So I I watched a lot of live streams. You got knocked to the team right there. Oh, my God. You know, honestly, from the person that watched them. I never got that email, but I kept serving during the live stream, so... Yeah. but bitterly because i was backing vocal and i just have too much of an ego to be okay with that but like <laughs> but i was told it was because if if your entire point of being on the worship team is because you want to lead then you need to really be prayerful because that's not the point and i was like yeah yeah but i already like worked my way up this hierarchy at a different church and was like kind of not promised, but very much insinuated that like, as my husband is moving to this church and becoming a staff member that like, this is going to be your time of like growth and leadership as well. Like I had started that whole like internship with elevation to do like their worship leader internship and had gotten several steps into that before we moved to Southeast. And I was like, okay, so we're going to do this. And so it was supposed to be this whole like, years of I can't wait to see what God does with your voice and like how you move through the church and it never happened like Mm -hmm. ever and like it was frustrating because my husband got promoted or moved up through that system like repeatedly and I was just like you're backing vocal but on just a like purely technical level I would listen to the vocals of other people and be like why are you in front and I would just get bitter. It just became bitter over time. Like, so it just became a joke to me, honestly. Like, this is not about God moving people. This is not about God's plan. This is about people in positions of power who decide something. And what they decide is what happens. So it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not leading vocals because it's not God's plan. No, it's not said musical director's plan. It's not said worship leader's plan. Because they want their wife to sing lead this weekend. So, I mean, or... Or their 15-year-old daughter who's not actually that good either. (laughs) Yeah, or the elder's daughter who's okay, but shouldn't be leading because she's 18 and doesn't have a stage presence. And that's what Southeast is all about. Like, it just became like a thing where I was like, this is just like nepotism. That's just all it is. Every aspect of it was nepotism. And I was just over it, so... Yeah, and that's the thing, though, too, which I I feel like with the church, it even hits harder and differently because, like you said, they were giving you all these excuses of saying, oh, you just, you know, if you only want to lead, then that's not the good motivation to be serving. Yet for these people that are 15, 16, and 
uh, daughters of the pastors, <laughs> they're like, oh, great. You want to lead? We'll, we'll get you right on lead vocal immediately. Like it, yep. it's so obviously just political games, nepotism, but they try to tell you that it's about the heart. They try to tell you it's about uh, God's will or your passion to serve. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're going to be playing these political games, just like, I don't know, be honest about it. Be like, hey, look, here's the games you got to play. <laughs> you want to do it or not? Which they would never do because they, they they don't want to admit that to themselves. But like, yeah, that's what, what makes it even harder is because then they, they try to gaslight you into thinking it's all of this extra spiritual stuff, making you doubt yourself rather than just seeing the clear games that are being played. Yeah, and you it can was follow, just- I mean, I fell into that trap as a leader. Like I, I thought it was, you know, I, I fell into that game and I was like, yeah, this makes sense. This game, you know. Yeah, and I think it, but it almost became more of an insult because it was like, well, my spouse is a staff member, so shouldn't I fall under that nepotism umbrella, you know, and it just <laughs> never happened. So it was almost like a double insult of like, I I think every musician ever has an ego. I'm never going to say they don't. Like, we all do. We all do. But so I had that going for me already, but it was just this like, on a technical level, I knew I could perform better than the people who were leading. So it irritated me on that level. And then on just the church level of like, you guys are drowning in nepotism and yet I don't get to benefit from that nepotism. So it just felt like a double insult to me all the time. And I just, I genuinely just got so bitter that I was like, I'm not going to serve. And then when I finally got mad enough to discuss it, to have that be the reason, like you're crippled. So no, (laughs) That was, that was just enough. Yeah. I was like, yeah, fuck this church. Oh. I'm done. <laughs> so you're so getting like a daily dose of like just a shit storm and you're slowly becoming more disillusioned, like with what's going on, like within the yeah. worship ministry, the staff culture. Um, But you're not there anymore. No. <laughs> what happened? Uh, Largely, I kind of did. De- deconstructed if that's what you want to call it um initially it started me like diving very heavily into the word and like trying to understand things that i on my you know liberal mindset was just like i don't really like this but if it's my queens you know and i wouldn't say i'm like insanely liberal but i'm very open-minded so it it was just things where i'm like i've never had a problem with this ever and i don't want to start having a problem with it just because I converted to Christianity and I kind of heavily started diving into that on like a church level to fully understand what does the Bible actually say about it rather than the social idea of what the Bible says about it. So I started diving really heavy into like the actual original translations, like what was the Greek, what was the Hebrew, what did it actually say? Where was the misconstrue in it being translated into English? Because historically that absolutely happened. And you know, where, where did the fuck up happen? If there was one, you know, and in, in a lot of that, I just found a lot of crap, just a lot of crap. <laughs> There's so much crap, Elijah. <laughs> Listen, you are preaching to the choir. Oh, yeah. We know. So, and I, and I took it to some of the worship leaders and was like, Hey, this is my opinion. This is the research I've done. Say on gay homosexuality anything i found so much nonsense that is just inaccurate to what the bible actually said so if anybody's wondering it's not sinful to be gay let's just throw that right out there what 
I'm shocked. shocked. <laughs> if you need to know, hell is a metaphor. Let's go there. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like there was just constant like going through the translations, realizing what I was taught was such a what the hell are you talking about in comparison to what was originally written? Um, and so in that dive through, I just realized like, and trying to talk to people at the church about it, like, because I didn't go to seminary, I didn't study it in the Greek and Hebrew. I'm just a random human researching it kind of thing. I went to people who did go to seminary and had to study all of this and was like, Hey, this is where I'm coming from. What's your thought process. And they basically just reiterated what the modern viewpoint was which I just did not jive with. And I was like, and just on an academic level, don't agree with, like, I, I don't think you're right in what you're saying, like at all. <laughs> and I just felt like people were telling the line. And so I kind of started just, I left the church. I stopped going to church really. I hadn't like decided fully to like leave. I just kind of stopped going. I was like, I just need space. I don't know what I want to do right now. So were I just you need- still married at the time? With- yes. Okay. So about this started about five months before I officially like asked for my divorce. Okay. I was like, I just kind of need, and he was fine with it. He was like, do what you need to do. You know, like I, I wouldn't say, I really wouldn't say that our religious differences played a huge role in the divorce. I think in some ways there was, I think in some ways foundationally it did because we had very and continue to have very different viewpoints on life and different ways of approaching things, dealing with things. And I think that a huge part of that is he's rooted in the church. How he was raised was in the church. What he did was in the church. And he believes that with every fiber of his being. So to contradict it in any way or question it in any way was an issue, not necessarily like focused around Heidi's leaving the church. He was like, do what you need to do, you know, and, and sit where you need to sit. But like a lot, every argument we ever had was just on our different perspectives on life. And his perspective was so heavily rooted in Christianity that it, it in, on a foundational level, did play a role. But I wouldn't say it was like the driving force of like, we divorced for religious differences. Like we didn't. Um, it just was, it was an undertow within it. But um, mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, do what you need to do. Um and it wasn't even the reason I ended up asking for the divorce. It was just, they kind of simultaneously happened. But, um, cause in terms of like religious deconstruction for me, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. If I stay married to you, cool. <laughs> but like, I'm going to do it. I'm not okay in this situation anymore. Um, and I, it, and it got to a point where I just kind of felt almost like abused by the church and used by the church. And I was just not, I was not about it anymore. So that was kind of the ending and coming out of it. And then it culminated with divorce uh, and a whole lot of emotional shit show. And now we're just hitting the point of coming out the other side. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. And like, I'm so glad that, that, that it worked out the way it has. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Like for just being able to be so true to yourself. I mean, one thing I'm getting like from just meeting you today is that you're very true to yourself. You're very true to your truth into who you are and you're not going to compromise on that. And I love that. Um, if you want to a little bit, if it's not too much. Um, so you said you got divorced and that was at the end in kind of the same time that you were deconstructing your faith and that you were also leaving the church. How did that get handled within the church? Um, that whole process. 
poorly in my opinion. Um, I'll be, I mean, I'm very transparent about it because I'm human. I make mistakes. I do stupid shit much as all of us do. Um, I had asked for the divorce like officially and, uh, in that process reached out to a mutual friend of my ex-husband and I's who was also going through a divorce initially to just like ask, Hey, like, when did you know it was time to like nip it in the bud? Because I was really back and forth. Like I, we had discussed divorce probably at least twice a year since we got married and we were married for eight years. Like this was a constant problem. We discussed it several times. So, um, I had reached out to this friend in the, like, can we just kind of have some counsel moment of like, when did you know it was time to just like leave, you know? Um, cause I was really questioning my decision. Um, cause I just couldn't, I just couldn't go through it. I was being a big chicken basically. Um, cause it was what I'd known. We got married when I was 18, 19, I was 19. So, I mean, it was just like literally my entire adult life. That's really all I'd known. So I was just being a huge chicken about walking away from it. And those conversations uh, ended up evolving into something inappropriate, and I allowed it to. Um, and my ex-husband, you know, found me out in it, quite literally. Um, and we had a lot of discussions about that. But that conversation, he still wanted to work on things. I did not. I was like, I asked for the divorce. I'm good to go. Like, <laughs> like I'm done <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, and that created, I think, a lot of just pettiness, unnecessary pettiness at this point where, um, like I'm very remorseful and hurting him. Like that's never been my intention and I never wanted to, but his reaction to everything was just South. It went so South. He, regardless of every issue and reason we had discussed divorce for years, he went to the church and told everybody that I fucked his friend, which never happened. Um, and like told elders at the church that I had done this. And so I had elders and I have never met any of the elders at the church, like a random one, just because he was constantly around mm -hmm. and has you know 17 million children. I've randomly <laughs> met this human, but I had never met any of the elders on the church. I don't even know who's on the elder board. Um, he went to the elders of the church about it um, and said his version of things to the point where I had elders wives again, who I've never met, don't know their names, didn't even know they were elders wives calling me my personal phone number, which I had never given out, um, wow. saying like, do you want to come in for spiritual counseling? And I was like, I'm not going to oh discuss private matters or information with people I don't know. And they're like, we really Good respect call. that. But like, we think that you need to. And I said, but I don't, I have, <laughs> I pay a therapist for that. I really, I pay two therapists for that. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to come to you for spiritual counseling when I'm literally being mm -hmm. like exorcismed by my therapist on a weekly basis. I don't need it. Like, thanks yeah. though. This is not to mention their only qualification I'm sure is being an elder. Is that wife. they're an elder's wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they've been so around was, the church for years. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty butthurt. And then at that point, mm -hmm. um, came to my knowledge just through, uh, my ex-spouse leaving his text messages up on a laptop he let me use. Uh, they were just open. So, of course, me being me, I read them. And just uh, conversations with, like, staff members at the church who I had been friends with up to this point for, like, four years, basically encouraging him to have my parental rights terminated. Uh, and that I was, like, untrustworthy, couldn't be trusted, shouldn't be allowed around my kids, let alone anybody else's. It was just, it was a stark 
degree change of like what I had come to think everyone thought of me. Um, and yet it was kind of validating because I'd always felt like a third wheel. So I was like, yeah, so I was like, that's all we had to say. <laughs> it yeah. um, hurts. People didn't it always want hurts. me there. I was there. Yeah, I was there for this human and to bolster and build up this human. And my existence didn't matter. It could have been any woman, any wife, any person. Their position was to bolster the staff member. Um, and the second they stop doing that, they're a complete complete piece of shit. Like that's just what they are. So, uh, and I've seen that happen time and time again in church divorces where a staff member divorces and the person who asked for the divorce or who left is completely demonized and just ostracized completely from that community. And I think it's hilarious. I shouldn't find it hilarious, but I really, really do because I, I do. I genuinely just think it's you live a life of redemption that that's all you think about is redemption and god can redeem any story anyone every disciple or important person in the bible is somebody who wasn't got qualified and god decided to qualify them all this nonsense they all have bad histories like mm -hmm. abraham was a cheater like you know it's like it's a whole thing noah was a drunk like and he still created these stories from these people and i said so god can redeem anyone and anything just not me and anybody that pisses off the church it's not even wrongs the church it's just anybody that pisses off the church like mm -hmm. you're dropped like a hot cake and it's it's just hilarious to me i think it's completely stupid yeah i mean didn't you know god can only redeem those who make the church's image look better yes whether it's the pastor or a heartfelt story that they want to share in a sermon anecdote yeah, and I would really push that theory to be put on any Catholic priest that has inappropriately touched another person. Yeah. Redemption's available for them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> like, oh, we want to talk about all the crusades where we murdered a bunch of people because they refused to convert. But it was in the name of Jesus. But you mm. had an inappropriate conversation with somebody not in the name of Jesus. You're dead to me. And I've seen less happen. People divorce over completely private things that had nothing to do with infidelity, nothing to do with anything. And like my divorce had nothing to do with infidelity. To me, I genuinely look at it like poor timing on my part, like great job. But at the same time, like it was a big pile of shit. What I did was like whipped cream on the shit. You wipe it off. It's still a pile <laughs> of shit. Like that's that's how I view that. And he was in complete agreement with me about that. Like we were agreed on that. So it, you know, it was just the church, if they decide to shit on you, they're going to shit on you. Like, that's just what it is. And it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it or how remorseful you might be. If you screw up in the church's eyes, you are done. Period. Unless you're a man or on staff, because I've seen so many men cheat and mm -hmm. be on staff and maintain their jobs and no one finds out about it. No one in the congregation knows nothing. Like, yeah. so it's just cherry picked. Everything's cherry picked. And I think that in and of itself is something where I'm like, why would I follow a system that does that? Like, I'm not going to. So regardless of religious viewpoint, deconstruction for me was like, it's a corporative, it's a corporation. Like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. just follow a funky system. The system itself is funky. So that's where this, I landed. 
Well, first of all, I'm happy you did land because I know anyone who goes through like the deconstruction process, they know like it feels like you're free falling for a long time. And, and, you know, same thing with like church divorce, church trauma, Christian relationship trauma. It's it is a scary place to be. But like just from like the outside looking in on your life, it seems like, you know, maybe not everything's together, but you have found a much more solid place to be. And I think you have spiritually as well. Definitely. I think, I mean, I think my viewpoint on spirituality in general just tends to be that I think it's important for the human soul to believe in something, anything. I just think Mm -hmm. that's character building. Um, But my viewpoint on it is, is if, and it's going to be so cheesy, but like my viewpoint on it is, if if the thing that you choose to believe in is yourself, that's enough for me. Like that's character building and soul building just as much as believing in something bigger than yourself. So if you think that the biggest thing that you can believe in is yourself, like kudos to freaking you. Like I'm about it. There's um, nothing wrong with that. No. So I I'm every viewpoint to me, Christian or not, my viewpoint is if it doesn't mock or degrade somebody else, I could not care less. And it doesn't have to be the same as mine. And I, I'm not about converting other people. Like I don't care because <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day, we're going to all be eaten by worms. So who gives a shit? D- so definitely you, you talked a little bit about like before we, um, before we did the podcast about, uh, like identifying is like Wiccan now and like yeah. that, spiritual place is very unfamiliar to me and I think it will probably be pretty unfamiliar with a lot of our viewers and like the description you gave of like of death being eaten by worms blah 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 like you know they may people may say just again outside looking in like oh you don't believe in afterlife you don't believe in spirituality that's a pretty like nihilistic version of what happens and so like what what does that mean I have a Wiccan co-worker and he's kind of crazy, and I love him to death. But like <laughs> when you were explaining it, it sounds so different. Well, now I'm trying to remember exactly what I said to you, so it sounds as eloquent. But yes. um, you can just pull up the text and read it. Okay, pause for dramatic. Because <laughs> what did I send it to you on Instagram? I don't know. <laughs> I think I did. She's I actually going to read Hold it. On. I love it. I am because I'm like I don't remember what the hell I said. Like I have moments, but they don't carry over like they don't oh yeah that's why you got to write them down you got to have the text messages i'm telling well and i'm just lazy and never delete anything yeah i think i think it was instagram oh, same. yeah um oh i said what i like about hold on what did i say what did i say oh i got all weird about it Oh, I said, okay, so pagan is an extremely blanket term for many different beliefs or even just lifestyles. So that can range from like Egyptian, Greek, Norse mythology to Druidism, Wiccanism, blah, blah, blah. Um, Oh, I said, I would say I'm largely Wiccan, but there's a huge stigma and taboo around it because Christianity and the witch trials. So like, quote unquote, spells. Yeah, we don't give a fuck about that. We don't care. No, (laughs) but like Christians do. Yeah, that's like an evil word, you know, but to me and, and Wiccans in general, like the word spell is just the same thing as like 
intentionality or honesty and like potions are the, like the equivalent of baking. Like it's chemistry. You're mixing shit together to create a chemical reaction. That's what spells and potions were. Um, so, you know, Wiccanism largely is just like celebrating nature and doing things deliberately to honor that. And so like they're different. Okay. So like example wise, there are different kinds of like witches and like there's one that's like literally called a kitchen witch green witches garden witches forest witches like it's a whole like what you kind of align with and a kitchen witch is literally like somebody who just bakes a lot quite literally that's what it is but it's like what their version of a spell would be is like as they're baking something they are thinking heavily about like who am I giving this to? Am I baking this with like maliciousness because I don't like them and I'm doing it out of spite because I have to, or am I doing it because I love this person and I want to shower them with affection? And there's the belief that the feeling and emotion that you have while you're baking it is baked into the food and is therefore going to have effect on the person that eats it. That's the entire witchcraft of that. That's quite literally it. So there's a huge like, idiocy stigma around it and in, in just the sense of the only thing like paganism is such a blanket term because the whole concept of it is that there are three main factors regardless of like what area of paganism you fall under and it's like an honoring of your ancestry a reverence for life and a deep-seated like care for other people and that's it so every other portion of anything, yeah. like how you practice it doesn't really matter. It's just, those are the three like pillars of it, you know, and reverence for nature is a really big one. And that will cross like every pagan anything. So that's really like, I think I lean to Wiccanism because I just understand it. But generally I would say I'm like more, you know, like druid in the sense of like their whole function is to like, steward the earth take care of the earth you know you're a child of the earth kind of thing so it's it's you know in some ways hokey sounding but i just like sidle up with it because like in the emotional moments where i'm by myself in the woods collecting mushrooms because i'm weird in that way <laughs> there's this thing that i call like and i think it's what every person ever feels and we just all call it something different i call it a hum but where you're just like by yourself and you're everything's really still and quiet and you just like feel something talking to you like you know what i mean like it's the whole jesus concept yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you feel something like touching your soul to me it has no voice it's just a hum i just feel a hum and that's what i call it and that's what i listen to so I think some people call it God and some people call it whatever the hell they decide to call it, but it doesn't really matter. To people call it. We are all feeling the exact same damn thing. And however people decide to live their life accordingly to it is their own business. So. Collier is taking I, yeah. notes for his D and D character. Who's a <laughs> druid right now. The hum. <laughs> I, I'm serious, man. I'm like, I'm converted to tonism from scythe. It's, <laughs> It's not even like a musical it, it, note. It's it like keeps, I feel it like it's coming back to the tone. My chest, and I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the yeah. hum. Like, I don't know. Like, no, I just, no. I think everybody feels it, and it's just, we call it something different. So, is it yeah, a G no, sharp it, or an A flat? I think G it's sharp. more like a D. It's very melancholy in a, in a very like comfortable way, but it's melancholy. Okay. I think it's like yeah. a D, like a D chord for sure. 
on no, an it, organ. I, I, like on an organ. Like not even, not even, it's a D organ. Like it's just melancholy. Cause I'm like, that's yeah. what life is. We're just full of melancholy. And the hum just reminds us really like, but that's what I mean. But like, I absolutely believe in like a spirit realm and like, I believe in ghosts and like, it sounds goofy and childish, but I'm like, I believe in like poltergeists and goblins and fairies and all that nonsense. Because to me, it's like, have I ever seen one? The fuck? No, I have not. But like, I enjoy the childish nonsense of believing in them. I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel happy um and whimsical but also in the sense of science can explain as much as it wants to explain even the scientific world can say like there's some shit we just don't understand we don't know how it happens why it happens why it did already happen like there's just unexplainable and to me i'm like i'm just not willing to label what that unexplainable could be so if it's a damn fairy that blends in with a flower like i'm about it i don't care because at the end of it I'm like, my physical body is going to be eaten by worms and my spirit is going to do whatever it decides to do, whether that's haunt somebody, because that would be fun, or just float off into the ether. I'm fine with it. Like, (laughs) you know, death is inevitable. And to me, at the very bare minimum, I'm like, it sounds like a really wonderful nap. Like, a wonderful nap. (laughs) Like, just the longest, quietest. uninterrupted yes. nap i have three children like what an uninterrupted nap <laughs> like i look forward to it immensely in the most healthy of ways but i look forward to it like i don't care so but mm-hmm. my physical body's going to be eaten by bugs and i'm totally fine with that because that is the natural process which i revere so i don't care at all so i i definitely believe like your spirit can go about its business however it chooses to but I just don't put an explanation on the unexplainable because that seems really, I don't know, almost ignorant in its own way. Like, yeah, like I understand all things like every culture, every religion has its own creation story and they all sound like a load of crap, every single one of them. And I'm like, does it matter how it was created? It was just created. Like, we're never going to know. So just enjoy it. Like. Or hate I it, love but just that. get through it. Like it doesn't matter yeah. how we got created. You're living in it. So move on. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I really, really love the idea of believing things that maybe sound a little childish or a little goofy or whatever, but believing them because you can and it's fun. And like if you have if you hold it in that regard too, then if you think that a certain unexplained phenomenon uh is caused by fairies and then science eventually proves definitively is not by fairies you can just go ah that sucks oh well yeah i I think that's kind of yeah and i think it's kind of the joy of like not having a deity in any sense because like Mm -hmm. i if i said i worshipped anything because i really don't it would be nature itself nature itself like the the function of nature to me is is very much like godlike. So, but it's just a natural function. Like nobody asks it to do it. It does it on its own. And that's the only constant nature has is that it's constantly changing. And I think it's easy to think that like as humans, like we're the superior race and we're above all that. I'm like, no, you're a child of nature. You exist because of nature. You are a slave to nature. Like you're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're going to grow old. You're going to age. Like the only constancy in your life is that you're going to change. 
And the only reason that that's happening to you is nature itself. So to me, there's a deep reverence in that and just like acceptance of. So the rest of the in-between doesn't matter to me. I'm like, I, I grew up hiking with my dad and we would go hiking like a two mile hike up a mountain to a lake at least once a month. And at the top of this hike, there was very much a fairy ring, like the equivalent of a fairy ring. It was a circle of trees that were surrounded by a circle of mushrooms. That's what a fairy ring is. And I would save a part of my hiking snack to like put in there as like an offering to the fairies. And that was like a thing that I did. And it was just like a childish, goofy thing to do, but it brought me so much joy. And I go, so if that's how you get through life is to be childish and just find stupid, stupid moments of joy and going, I believe in trolls, then okay, I'm about it. Like, dude, you just totally <laughs> took the plot from trolls. <laughs> <laughs> which was Girls a great two? movie okay it was a great world movie. tour I, I don't think that happened at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i think if you can find whimsy and stupid childish joy through your life then that's kind of the point like and then one day those trolls came to life <laughs> and sang justin timberlake yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah, troll but... i want to be honest <laughs> it is like yeah, you're you're redefining in a way when you said that it, it just brought the verse to mind of uh, having childlike faith. Yeah. And I, I always love it when we can do that, like people on this side of the church uh, life, wh when we can find different ways to kind of reinvigorate verses from the Bible. And we're like, oh, maybe it means this. Like, I have a much more childlike faith because I'm offering to fairies rather than this person who is so stall like so stagnant and stalwart in their um, yeah. view of this specific deity <laughs> stop talking to me jesus christ i'm just saying that corgi's adorable <laughs> did you see him his name is nixon oh <laughs> Oh, that is a good boy. That dog so is I, so I actually cute. drew a tattoo design of Nixon that said, because I like to draw, I drew a tattoo design of Nixon that mm -hmm. says, I am not a corgi. Because <laughs> I thought it was funny. He didn't find it that funny, but I thought it was hilarious. So. <laughs> Nixon didn't find it funny? or Timothy didn't find it that funny. He was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm so clever. <laughs> Love it. I don't know. But, yeah. Is there any other aspects of like your spiritual journey that you, you know, want to share or, um, how about this? Let me phrase, let me phrase you a real good question because okay. this one, this one always trips me up. We end up having a lot of listeners who are still part of the church. We yeah. have a lot of listeners who still go to Southeast and listen to this podcast and don't acknowledge that they listen to this podcast. And you're definitely going to get some people who are part of that, like worship ministry listening to us will never acknowledge it. Is there something you would like to say? Y'all need to check yourselves. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like it's just check yourselves. Like, I think it's, there is such a spiritual, I'm in charge kind of mentality within Southeast worship specifically where like their lead worship pastor with, with all the man buns, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. I was on that worship team for four years and that man never said a single sentence to me. 
and I served with him multiple mm-hmm. times. And if I tried to spark conversation, he would just awkwardly walk off. Like, and it didn't come across as like, I'm socially awkward. It was a, I'm above you and I don't need to have a conversation with you. Sounds like cool. And it was <laughs> so uncomfortable. And irritating because then his like wife and children would serve on lead so it was just it was just one of those things where i was like there's such an ego within the church like church ego and not like regular musician ego because musicians just we have egos it's a thing Mm -hmm. but it was like musician ego on top of like piety and it was so uncomfortable and i think it's just one of those things where it's like you're a musician you're gonna have an ego i accept that that's just band culture even though Southeast band is, you know, questionable and it's goodness, but like it's questionable. Okay. But like, it's just one of those things where I think as people, it's like to put it in Christian terms, practice what you preach. Cause you're not, you're not just practice what you preach. You're preaching a very good game and batting at zero. Like, to me, that's just all I saw in the four and a half years I was at that church was you're batting at zero. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there any yeah, uh, any other questions you'd like to ask Collier or should um, we let you eat your tacos? Yeah, no, well, just uh, <laughs> we always end yeah. with, uh, with media recommendations or shout outs or anything like that. So... Um. Yeah, Heidi. What's like either song, book, movie, anything that's been like speaking to you recently, or that you've just really enjoyed? This is gonna sound so wrong because it kind of trashes church culture, but I found it very (laughs) invigorating. Is it this song by the band Bird Talker, um, called um, "Nothing's Right," and there's a line in it. Oh, freaking Elijah's looking it up. Um, there's a <laughs> line in it that literally says, um, like the beginning line is like, tell me again, what makes a good man? Is he clean lines and Puritan? And that's the whole first mm. line. And then it's my favorite part is it's talking about, tell me again, how you can talk to God and how he tells you what to do and how you're sure it's not your own damn voice disguised as something absolute. And I lost my shit over that. Like, lost my shit so that song was like an anthem during my deconstruction for me like i loved it yeah yeah so awesome yeah, yeah, nothing. that's yeah. the song to go to <laughs> yeah no can't wait to check it out nothing's right by bird talker okay yeah, i say so it. sick call your what about yeah. you um yeah, I mean, I'll just shout out. Last week, I went to the Similar concert in New York City. Yes. Similar's great. Uh, their new music seems really, really cool. Very, like, dance-heavy, uh, or just fun. Okay. Uh, the opener there was Isabel Pless. Uh, she's super cool. Okay. A lot of just really good, like, honest lyrics. Just, like, very honest indie stuff, you know, acoustic guitar stuff. Uh, just yeah. very honest lyrics, yeah, about life, relationships, whatever. And she one of her merch items was this hat I'm wearing. She knits like she knits uh, hats and sells them at her concerts. So that was cool. That's so fun. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So she was great. Give her a, give her a follow and check her out. She's good. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tell me your name again. Um, Isabel Pless. Okay, I will look at that. No, that's so fun. I love that. I love it. Uh, like indie music. I do well, like. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Folk band, so I potentially like indie. Yeah, music. yeah. Yeah, it's like lyric heavy, um, acoustic. You know, soft indie music. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a slight spoiler, and I'm just calling it now for our next episode. But I just finished BoJack Horseman on Netflix, and so Collier and I, in the 32nd episode of the Hopefully Wandering, po- I think it might be 32nd, might be 33rd. Anyways, in the next episode of the Hopefully Wandering podcast, we will be going into a deep dive of the philosophy of BoJack Horseman. Oh my God. <laughs> And depression and addiction. Oh Damn, my! I'm gonna have God. to start taking notes. I know, dude. It is so intense. I'm still laughing at the text I got from Elijah. He was like, "Here, we're scheduling the podcast, but unrelated. Like, when are we? St- when are we starting an indie folk band?" And I was like, "When my life is not chaos, I have yeah. three children. Like, what?" You you start writing some songs, Collier will play on it, we'll help produce it. Yeah. Dude, I'm broken. It. Like the we way will, my we'll old get band, it. I'm so broken, Elijah. The way my old band used to do it, and I think it's like destroyed me, is that like one of my bandmates was like a really phenomenal like finger picking guitarist. Like he could come up with some riffs and they were beautiful. And he would just come up with like a song and he would play it for me and he goes, just write something to this. So he would create it and I would get like a vibe off of it and then i would just write lyrics for whatever that vibe was and that was like how i got used to writing lyrics and now when i write lyrics i'm like i have lyrics i can't think of a melody to save my life like Ooh. at all and okay, see, I, it's broken me that he was such a good guitarist like i have never been able to write properly <laughs> ever again you like, may have found the right crew yeah because we write music but we can't write lyrics <laughs> And I'm all lyrics and I cannot write music to save my life. Like I took piano lessons for seven years and I am still shit. Like (laughs) so mediocre. It's not even funny. Like we got the band here, guys. Let's go. Let's do it. Were you vocals or did you play an instrument? Yeah. Yeah. Southeast is mainly mainly vocals. Yeah. Can I play tambourine? Absolutely. What's that? He wants oh, to yes. tambourine. He wants the bitch instrument. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Just off to the side with his own little mic. Yeah. All I think of when I think of tambourines, and this will not make sense if you have not watched Gilmore Girls. It just won't. <laughs> Elijah's watched it, clearly. <laughs> Is that like bluegrass band moment where he goes, take it away. And he's just sitting there going, uh, and like shaking a tambourine while this guy walks up and he goes, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's just taking a tambourine. I'm like, that's all I think of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen that's that in it. some charismatic yeah. churches, though. I'm telling you, tambourine is a bitch instrument on so many contexts. It's a church bitch instrument, but it also adds so much. So I love it. But oh, yeah. not the church love, bitches. But it's you have to have some rhythm, though. <laughs> I couldn't play the tambourine. My rhythm is horrible. Like <laughs> horrible. So kudos to the tambourine players. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, Heidi, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Also, yeah, really course. appreciate you being open and honest because it's it's hard sometimes. It's a curse for me, so I don't. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's been so good. So thank you so much for sharing. All yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure like, like we said at the top, you know, our podcast is just about exploring stories, you know, and exploring ways to wander through this life, uh, spirituality and just experiences. So I think this will be an awesome episode for people to listen to and they will have learned a lot and I think it'll help people. Well, I hope so. So. <laughs> All right. Well, go live it. Go be it. We love you guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>